Hello and welcome to the Ever Better Life podcast. This is Steve. And Melissa. And today we've got an interesting topic we're going to be talking about. This is something that uh, when we decided to kind of relaunch this podcast, we asked some people uh, to give us some ideas about topics that they'd like for us to address, things that they would like for us to talk about. And I guess it's not surprising most of the people who are following our work are interested in personal development, improvement, um, ways that they can you know think better, feel better, act better, create more of what they want in their life and stuff. And one of the things that comes up when you're doing that is sometimes your partner's just not that into it. Um, sometimes they're not on the same page with you. Sometimes they're not interested. Sometimes it, you know, they, they seem to be the primary obstacle standing in the way of you improving what it's like to be you. And that's kind of an uncomfortable situation to find yourself in, you know, or you're choosing almost between this relationship and it, the quality of your experience, you know, like you're, you're into this new project of enhancing your life and you've kind of become aware of what's possible for you, uh, what you're capable of. Um, you're, you're just kind of tuning into what your life really could be. And all of a sudden, this life partner, this person that you've shared a lot of time and space and memories and history with and all of this, they, they kind of start feeling like a, a wall that's blocking you or an anchor that's holding you down. Uh, what do you do about that? Yes. And this, I am really excited to talk about this topic. And I, like you, I was not surprised when this came up with the people that are following us, that they're just like, oh, I'm improving and I'm growing and I'm evolving and I'm, you know, my, my health is improving. I'm doing all of this stuff, but, you know, my partner, they're not on board and then they're they're not even really supportive of me mm-hmm. doing this change, perhaps because they feel the distance that's growing between us because of the fact that I'm kind of on this upward trajectory and this is very familiar to me because I felt like this was something that I experienced like big time um, in my previous relationship. I was engaged to the guy. We had been together since high school. And, you know, my, it was funny, my boss at the chiropractic office I worked at before I went off to chiropractic school, she was like, oh, you know, you'll probably meet someone there because she met her husband at chiropractic school also and had had a boyfriend before that was, you know, pretty serious. And I was like, no, 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 we're going to stay together because I had, we'll probably get into that at some point, all the reasons that I felt compelled to stay in the relationship that I was in. But as I'm just like uh, growing and just becoming this person and my lifestyle habits are so healthy, you know, the person I was in a relationship with, you know, I was holding on to the idea that he one day would conform (laughs) to my preferences, that he would, you know, wake up early and exercise and eat healthy. But the reality of who he was, was he was a bartender, he slept in, he worked late, he his lifestyle was completely different from mine and so you know when my relationship with steve and meeting steve and all of this and i was like oh my goodness here's this person who's into me and i was get- the weirdo at chiropractic <laughs> school by the way yeah and who gets me and is on board with my lifestyle he's already fit he's already you know disciplined and does his own you know version of the healthy lifestyle stuff on his own and here i was i was like oh you know this is perfect you know, this person, we're not going to have any problems because I felt my only problem in my previous relationship was the fact that the person wasn't fully 110% on board with the personal development and growth and healthy lifestyle stuff. 
Now, <laughs> reality hit me in the face. Reality of my patterns, um, things we've already discussed in the last couple of podcasts, um, made it seem very obvious. Like, oh my gosh, maybe you know. And, and and I do think that this was you know just part of my journey, and it was perfect that I met Steve when I did, and you know what happened, and the way everything went down. I think was perfect in retrospect. But I was like, oh my gosh, it wasn't fully that my partner wasn't just on board mm-hmm. with my philosophy and way of living. There were things that I was doing. My, there were, those patterns were carrying over. And so I think we want to talk about not only just the uh, I'm evolving, my partner's not kind of situation, but what is going on behind the scenes of your experience that's causing this to be such an issue for you. And if you think that this is your only obstacle between you and like blissful life experience, maybe we need to kind of go back to the drawing board for a few minutes and see if there's something else uh, that you might be able to work on before you uproot your life experience with this particular individual. Yeah, and one of the things for me is that um, the personal growth journey. What I mean by that is like the like like the real evolution of you, the development of you, you kind of discovering this personal freedom that we keep coming back to has everything to do with you and your ability to notice what has your attention and to respond resourcefully to it, whatever it is. To notice the things in your life that aren't the way that you would like for them to be, the things that seem to be getting in the way of 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 you being able to do what you want to do, you know, or making the changes that you want to make. And rather than your kind of reflexive reaction to that being to point your finger at that and blame it or use it as an excuse that, you know, you're not going to be able to do what you want to do. To actually respond resourcefully to that thing, to look at it and say, okay, given this, given the fact that I am with someone who isn't particularly supportive, what do I want? And that's a very, I mean, that's a very important question to ask. Do you want them to be more supportive? Do you want them gone? Do you want you to be gone? I mean, they're figuring out what it is being willing to look at what seems to be inviting you to focus on what you do not want and what seems to be inviting you to say, oh, well, shucks, you know, I was going to do everything new and great and I was going to create the life that I wanted, but he, but she, but they won't go along with it. To be in a situation where you have every opportunity to point at something outside yourself and say, that's the reason I'm not going to be able to do what I'd otherwise be able to do and not do that. And instead look at that and say, okay, given the fact that that's true, given the fact that this is the way that it is, what do I want? And I think that when you create clarity with regard to what your best case scenario really is, like your what is your ideal scenario? Because for a lot of people, it would be that my partner that I'm currently with would be interested in these things in the way that I am, or they'd be interested in their version of these things, and they would be more supportive of me. And even if things were, even if we were on kind of different growth journeys or whatever, we would at least be evolving together. For other people, it would be, I wish I would have started this stuff five years ago so I never ended up with this schlub and I didn't have to put up with this junk. But now we're all entwined and maybe we have mute finances and maybe we have a house together. Maybe we have kids together. And you know what I'm saying? And I think that a willingness, there is this sensation of relief when I'm working with someone, particularly a lot of times it's like the first call. And especially like when it's relationship stuff. And I ask the person, like, listen, do you want to be, do you, do you, do you want things to get better with this person or are you just kind of done? And helping a person you want to give yourself the freedom to realize whatever is true to you and for you and about you right now with regard to what you want and what you would most like to see come to pass in your life in general and in the relationship in particular. 
Um, you want to give yourself the freedom to realize you want anything, right? So that you know that what it is that you think you want is actually what you really want. And that it's not the thing that you want most that's also acceptable to values that you have or some kind of idea about how you should be or what you're not allowed to want now. And so I think that starting out there is really important. Like, what would your ideal situation really be? Let's assume... Let's assume that uh, for the most part, you'd like to work things out with the person. That'd probably be a useful place to start. You guys, you know, you love each other. You got a good thing going. It's just that recently you've kind of gotten that stirring inside yourself. It's just kind of like, man, you know, I'm feeling better about my body. I'm feeling better about my professional life. I'm feeling more excited about just living in general. I'm feeling excited about career. I have this new zest for life. I'm off of autopilot. I'm not just kind of like, you know, wake up, watch TV, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed, do the whole thing again. Um, they're kind of still stuck in that rut. And I would like to get them out, but I don't know how to get them out. They don't really seem to want to get out. They're not really receptive to my efforts to get them out. What can I do about that? Um, And I think that like one of the first things that I would do is what about them not growing or whatever it is that they're not doing that you feel like they should be doing or that you wish that they would. Why is that a problem for you? Is it a problem for you because you have this idea that you guys need to be on the same page and into the same stuff and doing the same things in order to have intimacy or harmony or in order to have a connection between each other? Is it an idea about the way things should be or the way things are supposed to be? Or are there actual functional and practical things that they're not being into what you're into kind of it's causing problems in your life? There's a big difference between, um, I don't know, I like working out and my partner is not into working out and I feel like they need to be into working out because I'm into working out. And I want them to be into the things that I'm into versus I'm into working out. I'm getting in better shape. I, I'm improving my self-image. I'm improving my body image. I'm feeling healthier. Everything's really great. I got more energy. They are not. And I'm noticing how out of shape they are. I'm noticing how low their energy is. And I'm noticing how kind of below their potential, their you know, uh, out of shapeness is causing them to be. And I'm bothered by that, and I'm bothered by the fact that they're okay with it. Those things are fundamentally kind of unacceptable to me. That, those are different scenarios. You know, I think there's a lot of people who, if they could just let their part, if they could let go of the idea that their partner needs to be into the same things that they're into, their personal growth lifestyle and their partner's current lifestyle could coexist. They, they could function together quite well. Um, there are other situations, though, other people where it's not the idea that bothers them; it's the reality. It's the sitting on the couch 24 hours a day. You know, it, it, it's that you know um, lack of interest in expanding themselves or improving themselves. It's like the functional daily reality of who that person is versus who you've become isn't really gelling, and that's a problem. And I think that like figuring out which one of those your situation is is really useful. Realizing for me, it was the I had this this pedestalized idea of this person doing all of these things. I do actually think that in my previous relationship, I probably, if I had done this growth journey um, before, I, I think I could have become okay with just like, you know what, I like the parts of our relationship that are, you know, completely cohesive. But you know, he's he's different from me. And But at the time I was just completely not okay with that. And I just could not accept the lack of cohesion and that was something even in our relationship where you know there are even things that we diverge on as far as certain you know beliefs or certain ideas of how things are and I really had to come to terms with "Mm, why am I so 
controlling and really wanting for this like complete um, kind of carbon copy of myself. And that was something that Steve just said to me a couple of times. He's like, well, do you just want like a clone of yourself in a partner? And sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I think that's what I'm asking for. And I think the reality of it is, no, the, the best version of myself doesn't have to have a carbon copy of me in beliefs and ideas and preferences and literally everything in order to be okay. But realizing that that was the belief that was operating um, outside of my awareness. I wasn't aware that I part of me needed you to conform mm. to my mold. And mm. it's like, oh, and I think there were even a couple of times, and I don't know if we'll share this, <laughs> the time that my, uh, with my previous relationship, there was, you know, a belief that I had, an idea that I had. And he was like, he just kind of expressed, well, yeah, you know, I don't know if I totally agree with that. And I freaked out in kind of a very egregious sort of way and um, not realizing it until explaining it to Steve. And he was like, whoa, dude, that's kind of like, well, the, fun, now, the funny thing about that is, just to kind of put this in context, at that point, I think there was still some question about who you were going to end up with. And you were relaying a story about a big fight you had with this 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 guy, you know, that you'd been engaged to and stuff. And I was like, I, I, I got to say, I kind of think you're a little bit out of bounds there. I think actually I kind of understand. I mean, Should we tell a story? Not even. Yeah, why not? Who cares? <laughs> okay, well, the story um, was about, I was at, I was like, we were at a camping trip. And the topic of circumcision came up. As it it is wont to do on a camping trip. (laughs) You know, right? And um, the friends that we were there with, they were like, oh, we did it. And the kids were fine. And we want the, you know, the kids to be like the parent, the the father, whatever. And I was just obviously boiling. Is that obvious? I I mean, it's obvious to some people. (laughs) Um, And, you know, my fiance, we had like, I think, did we literally get engaged that day? We honestly may have gotten engaged that actual day. He, you know, in just, you know, talking around the fire with the the people was just kind of like, you know, he wasn't really sure where he stood fully on on the matter. And I straight up threw the ring at him. Poor naive fool. I mean, I think I maybe was a little tipsy. I mean, we were at a bonfire, Mm -hmm. probably was a little partially inebriated. So maybe I can like put a little bit of blame on that. But all in all, it was pretty bad. I mean, I... I couldn't accept the fact that this person you were outraged, had right? a different opinion that wasn't even like fully, you know, in opposition. It was just kind of open. It was kind of like I haven't fully, right. <laughs> you know, decided one way or another. And I was just so instead of being like a normal, rational person, he was just like, okay, that's fine. You're a different individual than me. You don't share my brain. You don't, you know, necessarily see things exactly the way that I do. Um, I was just so dogmatic and dug in and unwilling and inflexible to even entertain the fact that he could possibly have a different opinion. Well, even he was less radical. That was seemed to be the, that was the impression I got. I mean, I wasn't there, obviously. Pretty but radical. What you, what you yes. said is that, is that he he was he he just said, "Oh yeah, I don't really know what I think about it one way or the other," and so he's kind of undecided. That to you was a sufficient provocation to send you kind of flying, right? And, oh yeah. <laughs> I, and, and that's and, I, and I, that's not. I don't think because you even were a crazy person. I think it's because you this this reflexive reaction to perceived ideological impurity and you know it was it was the very idea that what do you mean you're not like you know and that that need for everyone to toe the party line and it's interesting for me because my my background i've 
never been particularly concerned with sharing a lot of beliefs or ideas in common with my partner. I mean, I remember it was just never been really important to me because, you know, I'm attracted to you. I'm interested in you. You're fun to be around. And I, my idea has always been that you sort of take the person as a whole or not. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like um, I'm more concerned about the things that govern our interactions from one day to the next. I'm not necessarily concerned about what political party you like. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of like... It, Whatever. Um, it, it, it does it affect our, our ability to interact with each other. Now, if you're talking about it all the time, so much that life doesn't exist outside of what the most the latest Twitter feed says or something like that, that, that would be concerning to me because it, that's affecting the experience, you know? And so I think that noticing, like, and this happens a lot with people that are what you might call personal growth junkies, um, that, that you get into, and it, I mean, it's understandable, you get into something, whether it's a health perspective or, or spiritual development, personal growth, whatever, and you become kind of kind of radicalized in a way. You become sort of evangelistic about it. It become kind of takes over your whole world, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, you know, people get into like MLMs and stuff. And then before you know it, that's like, that's all that people start avoiding you because, you know. It's, it's all you can talk about. <laughs> and like, that's like a, a normal part probably of the human learning process. I think some people that they sometimes settle into that whole thing. And you've seen the I've seen some of these memes sometimes that just are I, to me they make me cringe because it's like, oh yeah, when you're spiritually awakened and you're trying to talk to normal people and and you know and it's just like, oh my god, you're coming into contact with these spiritual plebeians. You know what I'm saying? It's like the worst thing ever. And and to me too much fluoride your your pineal gland is calcified. Yeah, like that one with the fluoride stare and all this different stuff. And there's just this kind of you know, there's a sense of kind of superiority in there that it kind of creeps me out a little bit because... I was really into that, though. Like, that <laughs> feeling of just like, oh, you know, and when you find your people, and I think there is, but there, I think there's a level of awareness beyond that because mm -hmm. when I was in that zone, it was like, oh, these aware people. I want to be around people who are on the same page as me, uh, mentally, spiritually, like, they get it. Like, I want to be around people who get it and... It took a, a while to see that that was um, rooted in some kind of like ego and some mm -hmm. kind of like superiority of like us versus them. And uh, and when you're doing that with your partner, mm. I mean, it is it's not lovely. It, it, and I mean, there's a much more lovely way to interact and engage with family members and partners who just aren't there, who haven't had the experiences, who haven't like you know, gotten to that point of wanting to question or break down their current model of reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we'll, we'll talk about is what, what do you do? You know, what do you do when you're in that situation? How do you navigate that type of life? Because, I mean, part of it is stifling in a sense if someone isn't on board with you, but there are things that you can do to either shift your internal, just like all of the solutions to everything. It's like, what can you do about your external reality? Are you willing to do those things? Does it make sense to do those things? And if that's kind of unchangeable at this point or you're not willing to, you know, straight up divorce them and leave, what can you do internally to shift your experience and perception of them to get to the point where like you're good and regardless of where they are at in their personal journey? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's interesting to me too is that idea. So when I first got into this stuff, I was interested in things that were going to allow me to interact with my reality more resourcefully, right? And if these personal growth ideas, if the if the spiritual ideas, if it's the everyday life stuff, whatever it is that you're doing, if it's good and if it's useful and if it's really transformative, 
it shouldn't require the participation or the cooperation of any other individual in order for it to jive and flow and enhance experiences and enhance interactions. And that was something for me, I, I didn't want to become one of these people who only talks to other personal growth people. I wanted to be somebody who did this stuff as a means of being able to go to a family gathering, if, you know, if that's what I was doing, or interact with people out there in the world, like regular old reality, in a more resourceful, in a more enriching, in a more fulfilling way. That was the point. It, it wasn't to join the club. And I've always been kind of creeped out by like communities and societies and things like that that are too insular. I mean, I, I, even like when I was in chiropractic school, that's kind of a nutty place. And like, you know, I, I didn't set out to say, find another chiropractor to be partners with in life because I wanted to share the same ideals. In fact, I had the opposite idea. I, I kind of was trying to avoid that until we kind of got together. And then that, that, that sort of uh, went away. But that was it wasn't like a perk i didn't say oh yeah she's a chiropractor and so she's going to believe all the stuff that i do in fact i probably if i'm looking for someone who's going to believe the things that i do probably chiropractic school is the worst place to look for a partner um but i i guess the thing is i was interested in myself and i was interested in tools that i could use not ideologies that i could share with somebody else like it like if if i'm i don't want to necessarily learn ideas that allow me to get along with other people who share those ideas I'm going to learn ideas that allow me to interact with other people uh, enrichingly, usefully, kind of independently of what their ideas are, what state they're in, what their behavior is, and all that. And so I think that if you're one of those people who you're, you're just getting into this, um, one of the things that people tend to do is that they, they, they tend to focus on what they don't want, or they tend to scan their world, or they scan their experience, they scan their situation, and they say, okay, this is great. I got this new thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to improve my life. I'm going to do things in a new, new way. What could go wrong? What could be the matter? And they look around. Now, your partner very often is like the easy sitting duck target, right? They could go wrong if it weren't for them. And so really, if you're with somebody, the wrong person or the right person who's kind of not in the right state, they're in the wrong state or whatever, um, they are an opportunity for you to apply the things that you are learning, right? You want to respond resourcefully to the fact that you're with someone who is or seems to be an obstacle or a block to your growth. Now, that the point of that is not necessarily so that you can just stay with them forever and put up with and cope with the fact that they're not the way that you would like for your partner to be. The point is to respond resourcefully to your reality right here and right now, no exceptions, no holds barred, no excuses, no, well, let me just, I just wish this was different, and then I'll start responding resourcefully to things. It's immediately, like in every moment, you open up your eyes, and here, there you are. And there's a sense in which, you know, you're, there's, a, there's a perspective from which you're not even really responsible for being there. Like, how the hell did you and I get together? I, the me that I experience myself to be right now is just with you. It's not the same me that got in a relationship with you and stayed in a relationship with you over all these years. And so what I want to do is I just want to notice you and what you're doing and how I feel about you and how you fit into my overall experience. Notice what seems to be working, what's not. Notice the ways in which I may be inclined to perceive you or you know, uh, interpret your role in a way that isn't serving me and respond resourcefully to that. And if you can figure out how to do that, if you can, because there's that tendency to resist. You know, it's just like, oh, I just, and I know that feeling. And I, got, I was in the, the pattern and the habit of doing that over and over and over again. I'd get myself into a situation and then I'd do an about face and say, oh, if I could just get out of this. Oh, if I hadn't committed to the, oh, if only this were different. If I hadn't have done this or gotten into that class or paid for this thing or whatever. And I'd put myself in this kind of high stakes, high pressure situation where I was like, I gotta weasel my way out of this and then I'll be, the coast will be clear. It'll be smooth sailing. Everything will be great. That's never true. 
It's never true. Where you are right now is always exactly where you're supposed to be in terms of noticing what's happening and figuring out how to respond resourcefully to it. And so I'm not saying that you ought to stay with who you're with necessarily. I'm just saying that if you're with the wrong person, it's right that you're with the wrong person right now. And it's a wonderful opportunity for you to notice that, let it be okay, don't resist it, and figure out how to respond resourcefully to it. Figure out how you can look at it and say, okay, given this, and this can include a lot of stuff that's in your outer reality, your inner experience, what do I want? That's the process of transforming yourself into a resourceful responder, that's what the work is. They are not in the way of you doing the work. They they are the work. They 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 are it's it. This is now, you know, and it's responding resourcefully to what is without regard for what what is is at a given moment in time. And if you can come into that realization, you will free yourself from this illusion that you need things to be just a little bit different before you can respond resourcefully to them. Oh, that is so true. And one of my uh, favorite things I like to say is, you know, every trigger is a teacher. Every trigger. And so typically your partner is going to be your biggest trigger because they're there all the time. They know your buttons in a sense, or like you, you think you have this concept in your mind. It's like, oh, he knows that I hate that. He knows that that's the thing that he must avoid in order for me to be happy. And so when you truly take on this work and you truly decide like, you know, I'm in this to learn, I'm in this to grow. And this person is in my life for a reason. They are my big button pusher for a reason. And like you said, if I can learn how to respond resourcefully to this person who, you know, right now is just like the, 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 my, it seems like my biggest obstacle. If I can figure out how to interact with him in a way that where I am not perturbed, (laughs) where I can maintain this sense of who I am and I don't trigger and uh, fall into and slip into and reactivate all the old nasty patterns that I know, like we talked about in the last episode, I know that if I say this or if I respond this way, can I notice this first? Mm -hmm. Can I check inside first and say, mm, that's not going to serve me. This is this is that opportunity. This is that what they were talking about. You know, uh, every time I'm working with a person and they've got relationship stuff, I tell them, look forward to your next fight. Look forward to the next time they piss you off or enrage you or do that thing because... I can't wait. <laughs> I know, I can't wait. I'm so excited. This is an opportunity. This is where you get to learn. This is where you see what's going on behind the scenes. This is where you get to notice, oh my goodness, this is what I say. This is the story. This reminds me of my parents. This is what they would do. Oh my gosh, that's that's why I'm responding in this way. And you really just give that, because that's the thing is there's just so much between you and the individual, like just the pure uh, consciousness of your partner. There's all those patterns, all those layers. And when you start getting that out of the way, you start to see, oh my gosh, that's this part of me engaging with that part of him. It's not the real him, you know, like there's, there's that, 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 those are just the layers on top of this true experience. You just start to have so much compassion and understanding and you literally become untriggerable. Like that button, it will dissolve when you truly see what it's made out of and you grow beyond it. And, you know, that might lead you to eventually, if you're not, you know, these these games we play back and forth, if you stop returning the serve, if he tees something up or he mm-hmm. serves a ball to you to 
get pissed off or to have a fight and you stop returning it, you know, that in and of itself either will be an invitation to your partner to do some work, to see, to notice, mm, she's responding to me differently. This is weird. This mm-hmm. is different. If they're not down for that, if they're like, you know, I want someone who plays these games. I want someone who fights the way my parents fought with me. Because again, we do that out of familiarity. We do it out of safety. We do it unconsciously because you know, it's what feels um, the most comfortable to us. But if you stop playing those games, literally the relationship will organically and non-dramatically fall away in a way that you probably at this point might not even be able to fathom, which is super cool. Someone did ask me like, oh, you know, if, um, you know, because we talk a lot about acceptance and acceptance kind of being like just that willingness to work with whatever happens to be your reality at this moment, this relationship, whatever uh, stuff that you're dealing with, um, whatever problems, your acceptance and willingness to deal with it and work with it is step number one. You know, you can't turn your back on it. You have to like put your hands in the clay and say, I'm willing to work with what this is. And, you know, this person asked me, she's like, well, what if my partner takes like me accepting the way that he is and is choosing to be as like, oh, everything's fine. And she was worried that her acceptance would kind of consign her to a life of misery. (laughs) Like it's possible to get this guy sort of off his ass and moving. But if I suffer 1% less than I'm suffering now, and if I, you know, give him 1% less hell than I'm giving him now, what if that critical threshold that could have been reached won't be reached, and then I'm going to be consigned to this negative experience forever because I didn't do what doesn't work and hasn't ever worked yet one day longer to get the result that I wanted, right? Absolutely. And and I get it. I mean, that's very natural to feel that way, that like, no, I need to say, you're doing wrong, you're being wrong, the way you are is absolutely wrong and you need to change. And that's either going to get him to leave or change. That's what we think. Um, and that by saying, you know what? I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to try to control you. I'm not going to try to make you conform with what I think and believe and what, you know, I'm not going to uh, even encourage you to like support me in the way I feel like I need to su- be supported. You know, I'm just going to accept you as you are for all that you are, all the things that before I thought were just flaws and horrible aspects that you need to go ahead and change. And I promise you that that person you know, like they might say, oh, good, I'm off scot-free. I can just keep being the way that I'm being. But the more that you lean into the acceptance and the growth and the awareness, that person will not be able to continue cohabitating with you Mm -hmm. in the same state. Mm -hmm. It just, it's like, it's a vibe thing. Yeah, Yeah, I think think it's like your resistance of them being, and I think it's an unwillingness to do what doesn't work, right? And it's if you, I mean, if you've been giving them hell and it's getting you the result that you want, well, fabulous. I mean, if they don't support you and you pout and then they change and support you forever, fine, you know? Um, But if it doesn't work, it's that willingness to stop doing what doesn't work. And that's a big part of, I think it's a big part of personal freedom, that ability to notice, God, this, this, I'm justified in being angry. He ought to. It's the least he could do. But it's not working. It's not eliciting the response that I want. So I'm not going to do it anymore, even though I'm justified. And kind of one of the examples or kind of references for acceptance that I kind of, it helps me to kind of understand what this is about. It doesn't mean um, it's a change strategy. It's not a coping strategy. Um, last night I was laying in bed, and you probably have had this happen to you. Uh, I was about, it took me a little bit longer to go to sleep than normal. 
And as I was kind of just about to drift off, I realized, oh, I think I might need to go to the bathroom. You know this? Because like I, 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 I drink too much water at nighttime. And I was just like, I was laying in bed. And I was like, oh, but if I could go to sleep real fast, it won't be a problem. And for me, acceptance was accepting the fact that my current situation necessitated me getting up and going to the bathroom in order to be comfortable. It wasn't accepting the fact that I drank too much, so let me just lay here uncomfortable forever. It was looking at the totality of my situation. My bladder's full, I'm in the bed and cozy and comfy and I don't want to get up, but I'm not as comfy as I could be because I know I need to go and I'm also freaking myself out and I'm making it into a bigger deal. Oh my God, it's such a scary, terrible thing to have to get up. I mean, it, I, you can make these things huge in your mind, you know what I mean, where you're so yeah. comfy and you got to walk in there and it's dark and it's cold and all this different stuff and then, you gotta, and then you're going to be awake again and all. And I had, you know, blowing, and so really for me, it was accepting the totality of my situation. It was accepting, it, what it means is accepting both what is and your desire for what can be. And it's rather than having those things be in opposition, rather than bouncing back and forth between them, rather than going into your mind or your imagination or to your little like, you know, let me get 45 minutes to myself. I'm going to go to Target for a second just to get a little bit of me time. And then you're just thinking about how wonderful life is. Then you got to go home and see this person again, you know. Um, rather than having there be what could be if it weren't for them and then what is, you want to get comfortable with putting it all together in one room. You see them... You see their behavior that they don't like, that you don't like. You see the fact that you don't like their behavior. You see yourself perceiving it in the way that you are, assigning the meanings to it that you are. You see yourself experiencing it in the way that you are. You see the fact that what they're doing and how you feel about it, although it may seem like the only relevant thing in your experience, it's really just a part of your experience and that if you were different, if you were behaving more resourcefully, if, if, if you were happier about who you are and who you were becoming and where you were and where you were going in your life and all there's all these different variables that could be different that would change not necessarily how you feel about what they're doing, um, but it would change the, the, the sort of experiential relevance of how you feel about what they're doing. Rather than being the reason that you can't have the life that you want, it would be simply just something just to respond resourcefully to. And when you start seeing all of that together, I think that's, that's you actually growing. And I think that if you feel constrained by another person, that's the feeling of you not really tapping into your resources. It's not a lack of resources, it's lack of resourcefulness, you know? And it's me being willing to blame you another, something outside myself for what it's like to be me, that's a debilitating thing. That's going to interfere with my ability to create the kind of results that I want in life. And so acceptance is looking at what is, noticing what about it you don't like, noticing how you're interacting in it, perhaps with it in ways that don't serve you, and being very candid and very honest with yourself about what you want, and then setting about reconciling those things. And being willing, in my view, just kind of stop at nothing to achieve that. I mean, the, the, no holds barred. If it's a hard conversation, if it's ending the relationship, if it's going through, you know, a difficult time or stepping into a scary unknown uh, for you, you know, in terms of maybe being by yourself for the first time in a long time, being on your own, being financially independent, being willing to embrace whatever challenges uh, your desires can lead you to and through is, is a really big part of that, I think. Yeah. And it's also, I think, really important to notice if this kind of discontent is just part of your um, amount of discontent you are uh, accustomed to having. You know, so uh, in my life, I know that there are the, you know, the certain amount of tension or turmoil or problems that I'm just accustomed to having based on the amount of tension and turmoil and problems I grew up around, you know, so there's kind of this milieu of <laughs> um, experience, of negative experience, positive experience. There's kind of a flavor to it. And 
this person may just be playing that role for you. And it's not even that you really want anything above and beyond what you currently have. And that's a big thing. It's if it weren't for you, I could do this and I could be this healthy and, you know, my life could be this much better and I'd have this much more money because you just spend and you're unhealthy and you buy junk food and cigarettes and you're doing all this bad stuff. If it weren't for you, my life would be so great. But the thing is, is you and and noticing this is really huge. Like if that person changed on a dime and did all the things, would you be a deer in the headlights? Would you be like, I didn't really expect you to do that. (laughs) I wasn't expecting you to, to rise to this challenge because there are actually things I'm afraid of. And we do, we, you know, that the whole, you know, our fear is not that we are inadequate. It's our, it's that we are like more, we are just amazing beings and creatures. And we kind of fear that greatness in a sense where we don't know, like if we're, you know, like, oh, I want the spotlight, I want the spotlight. And then the spotlight's on you and you're like, I'm afraid of this. Mm-hmm. And we use other people as excuses. The reason I can't or the reason I won't achieve or the reason this, this, and that, and the other thing is because of you. And we use that person. And noticing if you're using your partner and their non-compliance and their unhealthy lifestyle as a as a crutch or as a something to blame outside of you is a real one of those like come to Jesus awareness aha oh shit moments where you're like wow you know what if I had it all if he changed immediately I'd be afraid or I wouldn't be able to you know there would be something else something else would come in and step in front of me and this is where you have to kind of like expand your capacity for personal greatness. And I think that that's kind of a personal journey, um, something to work on uh, and, and just to, to look at, you know, is there always something? Because for me, it's just like, there's always something. If it's not money, it's our relationship. If it's not our relationship, it's someone online. It's some kind of drama somewhere. It's like, I'm, you know, there's that, again, that equilibrium of how much drama or problems I'm used to having. And slowly kind of like decreasing the amount of problems and increasing your ability and your capacity to experience peace and okayness and like harmony. Because uh, I think that people just aren't used to that. We're used to Mm -hmm. drama. We're used to problems. And noticing what the amount of how good is your life allowed to get is a good question. That's the thing too is you're, you're, you're too familiar and comfortable with being limited. Yes. You're too familiar and comfortable with having there be some reason that you can't have the things that you want. or And it is it, it's sort of making yourself small in a sense. And it seems like blaming the other person, but it's not. You downgrade yourself to the point that you can be prohibited or you can be inhibited by things. And then you find out what it is you're inhibited by and it's them. And so then, you know, you you start out as the victim. You know, I am not capable of creating the things that I want in my life without the cooperation of certain other uncooperative elements. And then you identify those elements, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever. And then you become the persecutor of them, right? You blame them and say, if it weren't for you. Um, and if that's happening, right, if that is something that's going on, you want to become aware of it. You want to address it because there are things, because that is your growth journey. It is escaping that matrix in which you're currently enmeshed because a lot of people, they like to talk about these ideas. They like to have their, they like to have their personal growth process out in front of them and they can kind of play with it like a, like a train set in the basement. You know, it's like the funny, like the, like the grown man that's got like the elaborate train set in his basement. He goes down there and you get to play with it. There's not a lot of risk involved, not necessarily a ton of skill you have to have. But real personal growth is actually driving a, a true train. It's actually getting inside this thing and, and driving it somewhere new and wonderful and different. Um, now, you know, having said all this, though, I mean, we're talking about common patterns that do come up for people who are doing this stuff. 
Um, it could also be that, you know, at some point you made that mediocrity bed and, you know, you fell asleep in it. And then one day you woke up and said, whoa, what am I doing here? And sometimes getting to where you deserve to be, where you desire to be, involves extricating yourself from where you are. I mean, there's a, you can get your, you, remember we said, uh, I said this a lot, I think, already in the podcast, that you can do all sorts of things that don't serve you if you're doing those things outside of awareness. That can include getting into the wrong relationship with the wrong person. And one of the things I found that's absolutely essential in order for this awareness stuff to work, you have to go into it with this full faith, this full willingness to be aware of, to, be, to, to become more aware regardless of what becoming more aware causes you to become aware of. And if, if it causes you to become aware of the fact you made a massive mistake or you made a series of small mistakes in this relationship, getting in it was the big one, staying in it was a small one that happened every day you've been together. Well, you have to be prepared to realize that that's true. You don't have to, I'm not saying you have to realize it. I'm saying that if I tomorrow, you want there to be no suppression whatsoever. Remember that we talked about that in the last podcast, the, the first relationship pattern for success, that no fault policy where if you realize you messed up, in, a, in an argument with your significant other, you want to be free to acknowledge it to yourself and to them? Well, if you realize you messed up by getting in a relationship with that person in the first place, if that realization exists within you, you want to be able to hear it. And you don't want there to be a penalty. You don't want to, you know, penalize somebody who comes forward and says, hey, I did something bad. You know, you don't want to discourage that kind of honesty. You want to reward that. that that's the kind of thing that's going to get you the life that you want. And so I think that there, there are people who are listening to this podcast who have made choices unconsciously that did not serve them. And when you really expand your awareness, when you really start to notice what it's like to be you, when you really start to think about what you want, when you really start to look at what your life is versus what it could be, you may find yourself coming to these logical conclusions that are scary to you or that are intimidating to you or that you didn't think that you'd be coming to. And you need to be ready to have those things occur to you. You need to be ready to just sort of embrace those and let it be okay. If you will allow that process to unfold, it will take care of itself. Like if you will just kind of like watch it, say, I think I might feel this way. I think I, I think I might be in a bad situation here. I think I might, you know, I've gotten myself into something that I don't want to be in anymore or don't want to be in forever. Let it be okay. You're only as certain as you are. Watch that uncertainty. Watch everything as it's happening. And trust that the process will kind of take its own course. You want to have that freedom for sure. Um, there's a lot of people who are with the wrong person. And there's a lot of people who are with the right person, but they're with the right person in the wrong ways. they got all sorts of patterns that are preventing them from being happy. And regardless of which one of those situations you're in, it doesn't really matter. There are tremendous opportunities to become a resourceful responder, tremendous opportunities to become aware, because really, it doesn't matter which one of those things is true to you or true for you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. When you figure out the patterns that make it possible for you to be, I mean, it's kind of an incredible thing if you think about it. How on earth could a person who lives in a society where they're really free to choose their mate and their partner, usually without too much outside pressure and influence, how could a person pick the wrong person and stay with them for a really long time? On the other hand, how could a person pick the right person? You you won the you know you, you did that right. You got the right guy. You got you're with the right individual, and yet you're ruining the experience for yourself and for them uh, by interacting with them in consistently unresourceful, maybe even outright toxic ways. Either of those things are these astounding achievements of unresourcefulness. 
And this is just what the human brain is capable of when, when, when it's operating, when, when you're making these choices outside of awareness, when you're making unconscious choices. It's a, it's a roll of the dice whether it's going to serve you or not. Sometimes it's worse than a roll of the dice if you grew up in an environment that programmed you with patterns that are designed to create mediocrity or failure or discontent or dissatisfaction or, or you know whatever, uh, an experience of existence that you don't really like. I mean, if you're set up to do that stuff, your chances are worse than random, right? Whatever situation you're in, though, it's a perfect environment to become aware and to start noticing these things. Not feel bad about them, not judge yourself, not resist them. Start noticing them and respond resourcefully to the fact that they are there. That is the path to what you want. And it's a willingness to embrace your current situation. And th there's something about acceptance where it's like, maybe you're with the wrong person. Maybe you really are. And maybe they are a jerk. Maybe they are lazy. Maybe they, maybe they are every bad thing that you think that they are. And maybe the way for you to get to the point where those things aren't a part of your experience anymore is to be willing to respond resourcefully to them. And usually responding resourcefully doesn't mean doing what you've always done in response to them that hasn't gotten you any of the results that you want. Um, one of the things that someone mentioned in particular was a person who was stagnant and not supportive, right? Not supportive of, of you doing your thing. When I hear that, my ears kind of perk up because on the one hand, there's a lot, we have a lot of support. I think we have a lot of support for each other in our relationship. And I think that if it were if it were missing, I would be bothered for two reasons. One, the practical, I would lack the support. Like if I really am into doing something, for the most part, I feel like I can rely on you to make it easier for me to do that thing, to encourage me to do that thing when maybe it would be easy for me not to. And that's a very useful practical thing because when my kind of willpower is weak or whatever, you can sometimes surge in there and say, hey, you're going to do this? I'm going to go, well, now that you said it, okay, I'll go do it. You know, And that's really useful. The thing, though, that would really bother me is if you know if you weren't supportive. What does that imply about you and about your relationship to me and about it's you know? So I think that I'd be offended, sort of on principle, if the support weren't there. I don't want to rely on your support, though. I don't. I don't want that support system. Uh, I don't want your support of me to be a, a critical part of of what it's like to be me. I want to be as self reliant as I possibly can. However, there is that willingness that I think matters a lot, and so. You know, it's an interesting thing if you're with somebody and they're not supporting you and you're saying, well, if they would just support me, I could do anything. That kind of sounds like loser talk to me. That kind of sounds like a person who's capable of anything. This is, this is you. You're capable of doing what you want to do, but maybe you got a habit of looking outside you and saying, well, because they're not doing X, I can't do Y, and that's why I'm unhappy. That probably isn't serving you. You know what I'm saying? Even if it's a justifiable story, it's probably not a useful one. If, on the other hand, they don't support you and you're not using their lack of support as an excuse for your failure. You're just kind of like, you know, it'd be nice to be with somebody who support, who would, you know, there, there's something, some, their support says something about who they are and who, and who they are in relation to you and, and your role in their life and their role in yours that you might want. And I think that's legitimate. I think that's a really kind of useful thing too. I wouldn't be bothered by the lack of support so much as what the lack of support suggests about that other person. Um, and or about the dynamic of our relationship. And I think that like figuring out which one of those is going on is a useful thing too because it allows you to really kind of figure out what, what am I really upset about? What do I really like? What do I really dislike about this relationship? Really. Not, you know, if I'm going to pick a fight with you, how would I word it so that I'd get the upper hand or so that you couldn't, you wouldn't have a retort. But like truly, what is it that's bothering me about what's happening currently? But the fact they're not, in, you're not into what I'm into. The fact that you don't seem to be supporting me in the way that you are. Um, wh what am I using the fact that you seem to not be supporting me as an excuse to do and to not do? 
Am I using it as an excuse for anything? Or am I just kind of noticing it and saying, hmm, you know, I don't really like the way I feel about that. I'm, listen, I, I don't care what he does. I'm going to do what I need to do to create the life I want regardless. And, and he'll just sort himself out. Uh, but you know what? You know, if I, it's not like I have to be around this guy. It's not like this relationship is, is set in some kind of stone. It's not like it's an immutable reality. i got to keep choosing to be with this person. And given the fact that there's 7 billion other people on the planet, and given the fact that we got together at a time when I didn't know what the hell I was doing, do I want to really continue to sign up for this over and over and over again? Not because there's something fundamentally wrong with him, or I need to blame him or find fault with him to justify me going off and doing my own thing. It's just, I got you know, I'm, the more I'm making this choice, my choices about this relationship consciously, the odder the choices I've made up at this point are seeming to me, and the more natural it seems to me to be making different choices instead. That's that freedom. It's that freedom to realize, you know, I just am not that into this situation. I'm just not that into this person. I'm not that into the person I am in this relationship with you. And if that's how you feel, you need to have freedom to act on that, I think. And that freedom to act, and I'm, I'm sure we'll do a whole another podcast just about like when it's time and when you're just like ready and how to be more kind of just lighthearted about it. And I do think that that um, I was very highly dramatic and highly romantic about relationships and my idea of relationships and what they meant and, you know, how important it was to stay with one person and... You know, but when you put it this way and you're just really looking at just this practical who you were when you got in, while how things practically are now, the vast number of possibilities that exist outside of this relationship, I mean, would it really be the end of the world to move on? Um, you know, or do you feel like, okay, this is, I'm, I'm in this, I want to be, you know, looking at your reasons, like mm -hmm. you said, looking at why really, why really are you here? Why really are you staying? Um, I actually have a whole list of, reasons people stay in relationships that I want to say for another episode of like, why am I staying in this relationship that is not working on so many different levels and, uh, and piecing that apart and really figuring out what do I want to do moving forward? What makes sense to me? And, you know, since we're just on episode three of this <laughs> reboot of this podcast, let's for now work on you. You know, mm -hmm. you don't need to break up with anybody right now. You don't need to do anything dramatic. I mean, unless, again, it makes perfect sense to you that that's the right path. Start working on yourself. Start looking at what makes you tick. Start looking at your triggers and your buttons and why how they happen to be right now is such a problem. Mm -hmm. Really figure it out. Do not keep it in the general vague, if only, if they would just, you know, nail it down. Figure out why, why, why does this bother me? What would I prefer? So many people like don't have a crystal clear vision of what their ideal even is. It's just like, oh, well, it's not that. <laughs> I just don't like that. And I don't like that. I don't like that. What do you like? Figure it out. Write it down. Um, you know, if you are interested in really figuring out your own patterns because that's the thing is your patterns will follow you. If you leave this relationship because you think it's about them, what they're not doing, what they are doing, I promise you your patterns will show up for you somewhere else. And so that's why it doesn't matter if you leave them or not right now. Your work is you mm -hmm. right now and pretty much always. And when you get you figured out, the the partner, your partner, 
literally will start to figure out itself. You will see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Short, short of situations where you're like in imminent physical danger, there is almost always something useful to learn. And so there's no reason to feel bad about being with the person. You know, that's another thing too. I feel like people, they're almost like, well, if I'm wrong to be with this person, God, I'm such an idiot. I've been with them for so long. And that, you know, that you're not free if you're thinking like that. There's always something to learn about how, isn't it interesting that you, and this is a really funny thing too. So I'm like a wrecking ball when I do relationship coaching with people. So I, I come in and I say, listen, I don't care if this relationship. I'm like the I'm like the uh, the the person in the hardware store who's picking up the tool and slapping it and banging on it and all this stuff, testing it for resilience because I want to find out how I'm kicking the tires. You know what I'm saying? I want to find out is this thing resilient or is this like a, a a flimsy piece of crap? Is this about to fall apart? It's being held up by duct tape and like Elmer's glue. You know what I'm saying? I want to figure out what's going on. And one of the most wonderful things is when you take this kind of um, when you take this kind of honest approach to stress testing your relationship by by you stress test your relationship by setting about the conscious attempt to improve what it's like to be you in the context of the relationship. We want to find out can this relationship deal with the stress of you being more conscious and having a better quality of experience and being more free and realizing that virtually anything is possible for you. Can the relationship stand the stress, the healthy stress that that realization, those realizations place upon it? And if if you hold back from your freedom or from your awareness or from the you know conscious consciously choosing things, if you hold back from really getting that fire going inside yourself about what how great life is and how wonderful it could be, if you if you hold back one percent because you're afraid that relationship can't take it, you'll never know if it could or not, and you'll never know how good what it's like to be you could be. But there's this wonderful thing that happens, and I we've worked with a couple of uh, couples recently where you get in there and you say, "All right, here's the deal. We're going to test this thing, and if it falls apart, I don't want you to be mad. You can be mad at me if you want to. Actually, I don't really care. I want you to know though that if it falls apart, that's not a failure. That's a success because we want something that can stand up to the stress of your positive experience. We don't want a relationship that stays together just because you diminished." your light or your capacity to enjoy yourself or because you convinced yourself that you couldn't do something without it or you convinced yourself that they needed you so much that you had to stay with them even though you didn't want to. I mean, I have this thing that I say to people, it's the my, my favorite breakup line, you deserve a better role than the one you're playing in my life right now. If you're staying with somebody because you think that they'd fall apart if you left, that you know, they, you're doing them a disservice. They deserve a better role than the one that they're playing in your life right now, the poor, feeble person who needs someone else to sacrifice what they really want in life because they can't handle a breakup. How insulting. I mean, how pathetic. As, as a man, as a human being, an individual, I can't imagine any realization that would be more mortifying than the fact that you were staying with me because you felt like I couldn't handle a breakup. I mean, Jesus Christ, if I was worried about that, I don't think I, every day, I don't think I could enjoy interacting with you. Like, that'd be my worst case scenario. Um, and my second, well, no, maybe my worst case scenario would be me staying with somebody because I thought that they couldn't handle the breakup. My second worst case would be you were staying with me because you thought I couldn't handle it. But there's a magnificent thing that happens when you embrace this awareness and you put the quality of your experience ahead of all things. When you stress test that relationship and it doesn't fall apart, guess what? You free yourself from being with that right person for the wrong reasons. Because we've worked with a lot of people who are that way. People sometimes think I'm a little harsh when it comes to this relationship stuff. Because I just, I mean, but the thing is, I want the best for the people who are in it. And listen, it's a tragedy. If you are with the right person for the wrong reasons and you resent them and you don't have as much fun with them, you found your soulmate or whatever, and you're not even enjoying it because of this crap and baggage that you've got going on because of stories that you're telling yourself, I say let, let's disengage and let's really radically improve both of your experiences. Let's optimize 
both of what it's like to be you in the context of this relationship. And then let's see if the relationship can handle it. It's one of those things. It's like sometimes you give a, a, a young person, a child, a little responsibility. And sometimes, you know, they'll crumple under the pressure. And like that's good to know because, you know, at some point their, their life's going to place that responsibility on them in an unforgiving way. So if they don't have what it takes now, best to find out so we can address it. On the other hand, sometimes you give them a little freedom, you give them a little responsibility, and they just take off and they flourish. A lot of times the relationships are that way too. And it's a wonderful thing to know that, you know, you're with the right person for the right reasons. And, it, and it's a wonderful thing to discover how these relationships can really take off when you're willing to stress them enough. It's like bones. Like bones get weak if you don't stress them, if you don't, you know, go for a run, if you don't do jump rope, if you don't subject them to a little bit of this kind of like impact. They have, your skeleton has no impetus to become stronger. I mean, inactivity is this is a terrible thing because your body literally just becomes weak and feeble. Relationships are that way too. A lot of people think that bad times stress relationships. I think good times stress relationships. A lot of people think that the bad patterns stress. I don't think so. I think the bad patterns buttress the dysfunctional relationship. I think you having an outstanding, you waking up every day with a zest for life and with this motivation and this energy and this enthusiasm for existence and this intense curiosity about how to create the things that you want and a conviction that it's possible to do those things. And this just knowledge that whatever you want, there's a way of thinking and acting that'll get it for you. And all you got to do is find that way of thinking and acting and adopt it and you'll get what you want. That is really what stresses a relationship in the way that allows that relationship to grow. Dysfunction is like a cast. It wraps around, like, you know, if you ever want a cast on your arm or your leg for a long time, you know, it, you can't really see what's going on in there and it's, it's pretty protected, you know, which is good. I mean, if it's injured, you want it to be protected, but you can slap it and hit it and you don't really feel too much. You take the cast off and it's this little stick, like a little twig or a little toothpick, you know. That is what a relationship is when it's sort of ensconced in dysfunction, you know, when it's, when it, when it's supported by all these stories and habits and stupid, you know, just bickering and all this different stuff. You can have a rotten structure of a relationship that won't fall apart. But when you become aware, you start removing that stuff. At some point, you got to be willing to take the cast off. At some point, if you're building a, you know, if you've got scaffolding up around a building you're working on, you want to get the building just right, you know, but at some point, you have to be willing to take the scaffolding away, see if the building can stand by itself. At some point, you got to let the kids go off and live by themselves and see if, they, if they've got what it takes to make it, you know? And I think that the relationship is that way, too. And when you start thinking about it in that way, there's a freedom there. And it, it, it's one of those things that you realize that this relationship is a living thing. It's an organic thing. It isn't something you... It's not something that's on life support. It's not the bubble boy. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it, it needs to get out there and needs to get dirty and it needs to be exposed to um, the challenge that is you realizing you don't have to be in that relationship and that you do have alternatives. That really is the thing that it needs to grow. So we are going to invite you, if you are interested, if you're at that place, I mean, the tools we're giving you in this podcast alone are enough to just get to work. Get to work, make some shifts, notice what's going on inside. But if you're like, okay, 2020 is like, I've got to, I got to fix this thing. I got to figure this stuff out so I can stop living this Groundhog's Day of the same problems again and again and again. And if you want some positive stress on your relationship habits, if you want a magnifying glass, if you want Steve to come in and start clanging around and, and seeing, can this structure handle positive, radical life improvement or will it crumble under um, under that type of stress? That's what Steve and I are doing. We're doing something brand new. We've never, ever done anything like this before. 
it is going to be a 10-week group coaching program where every week for 10 weeks we meet for I think a minimum of two hours probably. And it's going to be live group coaching training where we look at, we, we really put the stress on what is going on here. We bring up the, the fights and the problems and we look at it and dissect it in that useful way that helps you see the patterns. And I'm going to, you know, honestly what this is is me sharing Steve with you in my opinion because he's just, hey, he's got a knack for it. He's got a very... um keen way of hearing and seeing what exactly is going on in a relationship that just, I mean, it floors me. It really is amazing. And so we're doing this group coaching program. It's exclusive. There's only going to be 10 couples maximum. We are opening up where at first we were just going to do it for just couples who are both kind of interested in growing. But because of the feedback we got and how many of you are out there struggling kind of independently, um, if you want to join and you want to work on your own stuff and your partner's not really on board with it, doesn't want to do it with you, it's open to you as well. So send us an email. Um, we are doing uh, interview calls for people to see if you're a good match for the program. Support at everbetterlife.com. It's going to be a really cool thing. We're really excited to go through this process in this new way with people. Um, but yeah, I mean, if that's not for you, not yet, not now, just keep listening to the podcast. Like This is such a, we're so excited to be doing this, to be offering um, things, tools that I wish I had. <laughs> when, you know, again, if, when I first started dating and I first started, I just knew nothing. I knew nothing other than the romanticized version of relationships in my mind and then the dysfunctional reality of the relationships in my real life. And I was trying to cobble together what a good relationship was with zero self-awareness zero self-awareness at all and so just growing along this journey we're so excited that you guys are here and that you're listening and that you're tuning in let us know if you're if you're loving this if you're liking this um, please leave us a review and you know send us an email if you have any questions at all whatsoever we really want to be here for you and help you on this journey of improving this very important aspect of life yeah i would just say a special word of encouragement for individuals who might feel funny about taking a relationship course or a couple's course together um you should do it for sure this is this is because it's whether your partner's there or not i'm going to be talking to you because you're the only one that can do anything about what it's like to be you right and they're the only one that can do anything about what it's like to be them and I just think it, it really is, it's better relationships from the inside out. This is not, look, here's 10 rules that are going to, you know, do this and, you know, speak your truth and blah, blah, blah. It's not a dumb crap like that. It's actually giving you the, I'm not like some expert or guru is going to tell you how I think you ought to have a relationship because who cares? I mean, you know, are you really 530 in the morning when you wake up and you're annoyed with your, are you going to care what I think about what you should do? This is really about your ability to notice choices that you're already making. Notice maybe patterns in those choices that aren't ever serving you, right? It's you developing the ability to be more present in your decision-making process so that you're free to make choices that serve you better, that improve what it's like to be you, that make your life more worthwhile, that give you more ability to control and direct your internal states, that allow you to see what's causing you to create or contribute to things that you don't want in your life. It's like, you know, and, and so that you can move towards really creating the things that you want in life, discovering and creating the things that you want in life, really. So it really is. It's about personal freedom, and it's personal freedom being taught in the context of improving relationships. And so if you're into that, if that sounds fun, if you want to kind of just 
access and tap into more of those resources that you have so that you can really live your life instead of somebody else's, instead of the life that you saw being lived out when you were growing up. You want to kind of put a new show on the road. Uh, this is for you, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to get a lot of really wonderful things done. Um, it's Yeah, it's just going to be a, a, a bunch of fun, and I think it'd be great to have you there. I mean, we love this stuff, right? And it's amazing every time I... Every time I spend enough time with a person and I really get them tapped into what's possible for them, and it's not like some kind of rah-rah nonsense like, yeah, okay, now I'll go see you later. Um, when, it, when they really lay mental hands on their resources, you, there's a light in their eyes. You know what I'm saying? We just got a testimonial actually from uh, someone that we worked with in the context of couples coaching uh, a couple days ago. And it's just incredible because you sit down with this person, you just know what they're capable of. And then when they start to know what they're capable of too – life just becomes really cool. And we want that for you. So if that sounds like something you're into, definitely reach out, let us know. And uh, I can't wait to get started. Yeah. So thank you guys so, so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, definitely do that. And we will be back with you next week with a brand new episode. Thank you. 